Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. Sorry we've been away, a little bit of a holiday there, and I hope you're well. Thanks very much for listening, as always. We bring you the latest property news, and this week we're going to talk about where have all the landlords gone, because there's a distinct lack of landlords around, as many tenants are reporting, and we're finding in the offices here that a lot of landlords and tenants are saying to us, where's all the rental property? I can't even get a comparable for what I've got that I'm considering renting. And we'll address that question as well. Just go through some of the other headline news as well. The first thing is inflation has been particularly stubborn. And this means that at the next MPC meeting, we are now anticipating a rise in interest rates of 0.25%, according to media. Um, And this is frustrating because it's something that's outside of our control. And already for many landlords, they're finding that the payable rate on their mortgages has gone from as little as 1% to as much as 8 or 9%. And this can be unsustainable in some cases and is leading to one of the reasons for the exodus of landlords from the sector. But let's go through some other headlines as well. An interesting one I saw from the Daily Telegraph this week. Conservatories can reduce house value by up to 15,000. This is interesting because if you go back 20 years, a conservatory would in fact actually increase the value of a house by as much as 15 or 20,000. It says, and I quote from the Telegraph, Conservatories are no longer popular among home buyers, with experts claiming they can reduce a house's value by up to 15,000. According to the Department of Energy and Climate Change, by the end of the 2000s, one in two, one in five homes, sorry, had a conservatory, and now their popularity has declined due to energy efficiency concerns, outdated aesthetics, and the perception that they're unusable for half the year. According to Rightmove, the number of buyers searching for homes with conservatories plummeted between 2012 and 2022. And there's been a 52% decline in homes with conservatories coming onto the market during the same period. Andy Bays of the House Buyers Bureau said, trends come and go, and this seems to be on the way with no signs of recovery. It's a generational thing. Younger families value more usable space year round. If you're a family, you're going to want more garden space. Cost is the primary reason people are turning away from them. People are more energy efficient now. And with a conservatory, you have a space that isn't usable for half the year. Then on to rental prices, and this is an article in the Standard and the Telegraph. Figures from the Office for National Statistics show that private rental prices paid by tenants in the UK UK, have increased by 4.9% in the 12 months to March 2023, representing the largest annual percentage change since similar records started in January 2016. Rental growth has more than doubled since March 22 and has hit a new all-time high every consecutive month for nearly a year as an increasing number of landlords leave the buy-to-let sector and demand overwhelmed supply. The price of rent in the capital grew by 4.8% year-on-year, which was the highest rate since December 2012, while the East Midlands recorded the steepest increases of any region in England with growth at 5.1%. PwC UK economist Barrett Cupalian said growth amongst the newly let properties is even higher at 9 to 10%. Carl Howard, chief exec of Andrews, said rate hikes and red tape have combined to push some landlords towards the exit door. We're going to come on to that subject in greater detail, so I won't continue to push that one for now. Um, And then rents pushing people into home ownership. Now, this is interesting, and this is something that the Times have said. And it's, I think, uh, something that we're finding as well, is that some people that have considered rent as their 
de facto go-to place and now going over to home ownership because the cost of rents is so high and more importantly, the availability of rental property is so low that people are leaning towards buying where the supplier property has gone up and the price has stabilised. Um, Simon Agas of Winkworth says that soaring rents are pushing people into home ownership and are preventing the housing market from collapsing, although affordability has become stretched by a rapid increase in mortgage rates over the past six months. He claimed demand was being propped up by renters looking to get onto the property ladder and escape their spiralling bills, with rents rising every month since August 21. Of course, it's fair to say that interest rates have gone up as well during that period of long time. So it's not all, all roses there. Uh, reaching their uh, dearest level on record, Agus said the increase in charges were being underpinned by a severe shortage of rental homes. There we go, back onto that subject again. Um, apart from that, we have inflation eases but remains over 10%. Now, this is what I was uh, alluding to earlier. Consumer Prices Index, the measure of inflation, uh, this is an article in the Sky, BBC News and the Financial Times, fell to 10.1% in the year to March from 10.4% in February, according to the ONS, Office for National Statistics, that is, um, driven by food prices rising at their fastest rate for 45 years. The chief economist, Grant Fitzner, said the main drivers of decline were motor fuel prices and heating oil costs, both of which fell after sharp price rises at the same time. However, clothing, furniture and household goods prices increased, but more slowly than a year ago. These were partially offset by the cost of food, which is still climbing steeply, with bread and cereal price inflation at record highs. The overall cost facing businesses have been largely stable since last summer, although prices remain high. Economists had predicted a fall to 9.8%, and now markets are increasing their bets on another 0.25% base rate increase at the next MPC meeting, which comes up in May. Now, let's talk a little bit about the rental market. Where have all the landlords gone? That's a big subject, and uh, it's one that we intend to address today. You may have noticed if you look around on right move in your local area, if you're a tenant or a landlord, a real lack of available properties. And this is the theme at the moment, is that there's very little available stock. There are many reasons why, but the, <laughs> the main reason is there's simply not enough properties available to meet demand from tenants. Now, this has always been the case, but it's become more acute recently, and it's due to a number of factors, including the rising cost of buying a home, the increasing number of people renting, and the government's recent changes to tax laws for landlords. One of the biggest reasons landlords are selling is because they're si simply not making enough money from their rental properties. Now, this may seem counterintuitive to those of you outside of the sector, thinking, well, you know, rents are rising rapidly. Why are they not making lots of money? Well, that's because the cost of running a rental property has gone up massively in recent years, while the amount of rent that can be charged has gone up, but has not actually kept pace with some of these costs in many cases. This means many landlords are finding that not only does the rent not cover their expenses, but they're actually having to put money in, completely defeating their object of having the investment in the first place. The first and most important change that's impacted landlords and made them want to sell is Section 24 of the Finance Act 2015. Now, this is a tax change that affects landlords in the UK. It means landlords can no longer deduct mortgage interest and other finance costs from their rental income before calculating their tax liability. Bottom line, landlords will have to pay more tax on their rental income. There are a few exceptions for Section 24. For instance, landlords who let out their main residence or property that's furnished to students will be able to continue to deduct mortgage interest rates uh, and other finance costs from their home. And if you're a company, then the uh, ability to offset interest payments is still there. For the vast majority of landlords, however, they will not be able to allow that cost. And therefore, 
this will make a significant difference to their rental income. It's estimated that on average, the cost to landlords of that alone is £2,000 per year to the average landlord. I would suggest considerably more here in London. But it's certainly we've seen some landlords selling their rental properties and therefore reducing the supply of properties to landlords. If you are a landlord, you should be aware of Section 24 and how it will affect you. You should speak to your accountant to, to find out about it. But the bottom line is more tax for landlords. This has led some landlords to doing one of two things. One of the things that's been happening is that they've been selling up a number of properties. If they've got a portfolio, then quite often landlords with a portfolio of maybe 10 properties, a small landlord that doesn't have them in a limited company, uh, a special purpose vehicle, they're selling maybe half of their portfolio and then making the other half in cash, meaning that they can get the income without financing costs and without the Section 24 implications. So by owning in cash, one of the beauties is that, of course, then the impact of the interest rate rises doesn't hit you at all. Um, but the impact of the rent rises is something that you can enjoy. Um, so there are pros and cons when it comes to renting a property. And let's look at some of the pros and cons. But bottom line is landlords are selling up. A couple of other things, though. One of the, the other cons at the moment is the fact that people are looking at the Renters Reform Act and then running a mile. This is the ability of landlords to get back their homes is one of the most important considerations under the Renters Reform Act. But what I would say is there's a lot of panic around the Renters Reform Act and what it will mean when it comes in. It's not in yet. I don't suspect it will come in this side of an election, but it will come in because it's got cross-party support, although there will be many changes to its form, I feel. It's at the moment a white paper. Uh, you can read it online at .gov. Um, my view is that the document is fairly well balanced. And one of the most encouraging things for me was to see that the um, committee that was discussing the white paper said, OK, well, if we're doing away with Section 21, which is what they're talking about, the no fault eviction, and we're providing other strong grounds for landlords to be able to evict tenants on, we need to make sure that they can acquire their properties back within a reasonable time frame. And we need to have that functionality available for landlords. Now, that is a debate that we want to see, because we, if we're going to abolish one of the ways that we can get rid of tenants when they are at fault, because it's called a no-fault eviction, but of course, no landlord evicts tenants for no reason, or very, very, very few. Most of the time, there's another reason. Um, there are what we call mandatory grounds and discretionary grounds when it comes to serving notice on tenants. The problem is that because of the housing crisis, judges are largely formed to lean towards the tenant's favour on discretionary grounds wherever possible, meaning that if you go to court on a discretionary ground, there is a chance that you will not get possession. And therefore, people tend to lend, lean on two grounds. One is Section 21, uh, meaning that you don't have to give a reason. You just have to give your tenant two months' notice from a rent due date. And providing it's done so in the correct form with the correct other paperwork, then you should obtain possession when you go through the courts. The other one is Section 8, and this is usually served because there are two months or more rent arrears, both at the point when the notice is served and at the point of the hearing. And this is a shorter period notice. And therefore, you can get rid of your tenants quicker in theory, but it doesn't always work that way um, for several reasons. But they're the two grounds that people use at the moment. The idea is that these grounds will be changed. There will still be the ability to evict tenants on the grounds of rent arrears. There will not be the ability to evict them with no reason, but there will be reasons put in their place. And those reasons will be that you as a landlord wish to sell your property, perfectly reasonable, that a family member wishes to move into the property, again, perfectly reasonable, 
or that you wish to sell the property. So all those grounds seem perfectly reasonable to me, and they're not necessarily something that landlords need to be scared of. Similarly, they're talking about open-ended tenancies. This means that when a tenant signs up with you, rather than there be a fixed period, they will be open-ended, but you will still be able to serve notice on the ground specified, plus others, and we're waiting for the meat on the bone as far as all of the significant changes to this document, which will no doubt come in time. Bottom line, Renters Reform Act looks really scary, isn't quite as scary as it looks. It's far more well-balanced than some would have you believe, in my view. But it is a reason why landlords are getting scared and one of the reasons why landlords are exiting the market. Finally, we have the EPC requirements. Looks like it's been kicked into the long grass now and it looks like it will be December 2028 at the earliest before this comes to being. And this is the requirement that your property meets the energy performance grade C before you're legally allowed to rent it. Now, there are many questions around this. And the big one is, well, that's for all very well. But what if my property won't reach a C? What if it's an E and the best I can do is a D? And there will be a sliding scale investment that you will have to make if you can't quite hit that C grade, we think it's going to be between five and ten thousand um, pounds. But there will be significant investment um, impact for some landlords by the looks of it. However, EPCs are not fit for purpose. That seems to be what's coming out. That's a comment that Michael Gove made recently. And therefore, I suspect we'll see some changes to the measuring the actual EPC system. So I would say if you're thinking of making changes which aren't obviously going to impact your grade or rating, uh, then you might want to hold off until we find out what the changes will be within the EPC system. So it'd be interesting to see that. Now, we've spoken a lot about the negatives about being a landlord. Uh, Let's talk about some of the positives. Uh, regular income. One of the beauties of buy-to-let is on the flip side of this, we have many pensioners that use and rely on buy-to-let is that if you own as in cash or with a large amount of cash and minimal finance, then the income that you're receiving is inflation-proofed by the market itself. And right now, buy-to-let is keeping pace with inflation, which you can't say for many things right now. We're certainly seeing, although the figures suggest it's 5% all over the country, we've seen significantly more than 10. Um, So not only is it keeping pace with inflation, we'd say it's running above inflation. So it's a good hedge against inflation. If you want an investment that you've already got the asset, that asset will usually sustain its current value, if not improve on that value on the one hand, and also on the rental side, you can expect that you can rely on further rent rises as time goes on. Now, there are, uh, obviously, the other consideration is capital growth. The value of a property over time with inflation tends to grow. And so whilst on the one hand, you're receiving the rental income, on the other hand, you're also receiving the capital growth. There are some tax reliefs available to landlords, although they've been reduced. And flexibility, you can choose to let your property out for a fixed amount of time and then perhaps live in it later there are other things that you can do on the negative side of course there are upfront costs of buying usually a 25 percent deposit survey and a number of ongoing costs as well such as keeping up with compliance now risk is the big one and when you're looking at risk there's always some risk associated with buy to let and anybody that tells you there isn't isn't a professional in the industry but there are ways that you can protect against that and that comes down to really good administration and a really good lettings and management specialist and i would urge you to look for a specialist in your area choose google reviews look for small independent companies that have fidelity bonding and client money protection that can help you 
to protect one of your most valuable assets. But overall, buy to let can still be a good investment, but it's really important that you weigh up the pros and cons before you decide to invest. Now, yield. One of the ways that landlords assess the profitability of a buy to let is by the yield, the gross yield and the net yield. So let me give you some examples because people often ask this question. Gross yield, you calculate this by dividing the rental income by the purchase price. For example, if a property is purchased for 200000 and the annual rent is 12000 the gross yield will be 6%, i.e. 12000 plus 200000 equals 0. 0.06, divided by 200000 sorry. The net yield is calculated in the same way as gross yield, but takes into account the costs of owning and running the property, such as mortgage, interest, insurance, and maintenance. For example, if the costs of owning and running the property are 2000 the net yield will be 4%, i.e., 12,000 12, minus 2,000 equals 10,000 divided by 200,000 equals 0.05, i.e. 4%. In general, a gross yield of 6% or more is considered to be a good investment, while a net yield of 4% or more is considered to be a good investment. However, it's important to remember these are just general guides and the actual profitability will vary depending on a number of factors, such as the location, the property, its type and style and the level of demand, which is, again, where a professional comes into being um, invaluable in these cases in our experience so many landlords are worried about the future that in summary the landlords that are selling up are leaving a huge gap in the marketplace i suspect that at some point in the future the government will wake up to this and actually have to incentivize people back into the idea of buying a property to rent out because one they don't have the supply b two they're not building anymore and three they always kick this subject into the long grass because they don't have the answer. Well, the answer is we need more supply. And the only way, in my view, more supply is coming is by the small private landlord engaging in buy-to-let. And the government needs to give the private landlord confidence that this is a market that they should be in. And in order to do that, they need to look at the financial incentives, in my view, particularly Section 24 would make a massive difference to repeal that in order to let landlords know that they are valued and a valuable part of the property mark, property mix here in the UK. So that's it for this week. Thanks very much for listening as always. Hope you have a great week. We'll be back next week with another edition. Until then, look after yourselves and if you can, your family and friends. Goodbye. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production. 